I'm Nevada Basketball's Jordan Caroline, and you listen to Pack Center. What up, Wolfpack Nation? It is the host of Pack Center, Garrett, joined by my co-host, Austin. Uh, last week on the show, we kind of jinxed Nevada Athletics. Uh, we said they had a fantastic week. Well, this week wasn't so hot. Uh, Nevada, Nevada basketball won, went 1-1. One one. Nevada women's basketball went 0-2. Oh Baseball went 1-2 uh, on the weekend. And softball actually had the best weekend going 3-1. and one. We'll talk about all of those sports coming up uh, later in this, in this show. But we're jumping into men's basketball, who fell in the rankings from 12 to 17. Kind of respect. Uh, not that far of a jump, I thought. I've talked to some people, thought Nevada would drop out of the top 25, but nope. Uh, they dropped five spots. Okay, so still top top 20 in the nation. I've been in the top 20 all or I've been in the top 20 all year, so that's great. But the first game of the the first game Nevada had, they it was a rivalry game against UNLV. Nevada did come away with the 89-73 victory. This game is uh, severely overshadowed by what happened on Saturday. But this was a really special game. Nevada, uh, as we mentioned, rivalry rivalry game. We swept the series, governor points. Uh, it was also Nick Fazekas jersey retirement. And I really like what they did with the new jersey retirement. But in this game, it was an offensive juggernaut uh, from the pack. They shot the ball effectively. Yeah, we saw a great uh, offensive outing from the Wolf Pack on a great night. Nick Fazekas's jersey being retired was amazing. Seeing his jersey in the rafters is just amazing to see because he definitely deserves it. One of the best uh, Wolfpack players ever. Uh, the story of the night, in my opinion, was Cody Martin. He had a great night. He shot a career-high four threes, scored a uh, season-high 23 points. He had a great game. Like you said, the offense was clicking on all cylinders. It was great to get a win against UNLV and get that series sweep because you know, you we like to uh, smash on the little brother down south, so it was a great win, and sadly it was overshadowed. But I think they played. I think they played really well. The offensive, pl- the offense played well. Cody Martin played well. We saw big outings from the big three. They they took care of business that night. Yeah, and before we dive a little bit more deeper in the game, talking about the fan atmosphere, this was the eighth largest attendance in school history. Um, I was talking a little bit with Chris Murray saying maybe there's a chance they break it, but nope, eighth is still really good. This game also set the season attendance record um, in just 14 home games, which is ridiculous. Um, But also there were students lining up at 11 o'clock for an 8 o'clock tip-off. So you're there nine hours early, which is absolutely insane. Shows the support and. On Twitter, there's there's been circulating four years ago, uh, Nevada UNLV before Moss got here. It was so it was so empty, but now to see the fans see the stripe out, which was done really well. Uh, one negative is is Nevada's uniforms looked terrible. Right, they look we looked like San Jose State. Yeah, I I do not like those the version of the Battleborns that they had the yellow just. Like, and I like and I said, get they look like San Jose State. It's and I not get, good. And I get that it's the state flag, but you right. you, you got to tone down the yellow. It's just a little bit. But you look what they did for the Nike uniform. They those were good, and we've seen for the most part all of Nike's uniforms were really good. Yeah. While with well since we're with Adidas, the uniforms have been hit or miss. Uh, there's some really good ones. There's some really bad ones. Like the pink ones were really good. The camo mm-hmm. were done terribly, in my opinion. But uh, I guess Nevada's getting a bigger paycheck from uh, Adidas. But looking at the game, despite Nevada having a really good offensive night, they were severely out-rebounded. They only got 28 rebounds on the game. They got out-rebounded by 12. And out of the 28, Jordan Caroline grabbed 12 of them. He had a double-double. But you, you were right. They were carried by their big three. Their big three put up 67 of 89 points. The 67 point is ridiculous yeah. they almost outscored UNLV right the big three was were completely dominant and uh, UNLV were completely dominant on the rebounding game the offensive rebounds we got completely thrashed so it was good that we were able to shoot the ball like that and really put up that amount of points the support that we were able to see at UNLV was amazing everyone 
just screaming their heads off the amount of students that were in line hours before the game. It just shows what this rivalry means to this school and this community and this team. Um, I know that they didn't want to lose this game even remotely because of the rivalry. And they didn't, and they showed up, and our offense came to play. And uh, I was really proud to see this team uh, whoop on UNLV. See, Nevada has their big three, but then yep. UNLV also had their big three. Mm-hmm. Uh, between Chris Clyburn, who we mentioned on the last week's show, uh, had a big game against Nevada. Amari Amari Hardy and Noah uh, Robotham, they put up 53 out of, out of UNLV's 73 points. So this was a game where it was um, pretty, like, star-oriented. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, no bench player for either team put up 10-plus points. And outside of each team's big three, no players scored 10. Right. And, yeah, and this is credits to UNLV. They they shot really well. They shot 45% from the field for the entire game. They didn't really keep up with us offensively, but they were able to put the ball in the net and score, which was, which was incredible. So we were able to – we kind of wanted to see our defense kind of step up just a little bit more. But it was more just a running gun, let's outscore the opponent type of night, and Nevada did that perfectly with our big three really leading the way. You're right. Nevada, we've talked about on, on the previous show, Nevada uh, having sh- issues str- turning, turning over the ball. Mm-hmm. They only turned the ball over eight times in comparison to 17 from, from the Rebels. And it was good to see that Nevada did, was able to keep possession of, of these turnovers. They were able to force nine steals in three blocks, which is really good. The, the refs were in this game weren't horrible. They weren't bad. Uh, we've seen, obviously, what happened in the Utah State game, but even leading up to this game with uh, Fresno and uh, San Diego, the refs just not being great. So it's good to see that the refs actually called a pretty good game. The pace of the game was really good. There were some reviews that I don't, I don't really know why they were re- reviewed, but also... Um, it was good. To, it's good to see that uh, Cody Martin is starting to take more threes. Must said in the post game uh, presser that he was like, "Cody's one of our best shooters in practice." It, now it's about time that he starts taking those threes in the game, making them. It, it's pretty much since that Boise game winner that he's really started shooting the ball effectively and more often. Right, uh, Cody. Cody, we all know that he can shoot. In the post game press conference, his brother Caleb said. It's just up to how aggressive he wants to be that night, how aggressive he wants to start off the game. Cody can shoot threes. He makes them all the time in practice. Uh, Musa said this. Caleb has said this. Numerous players have said this, that Cody can shoot the ball and at a very effective rate. We just don't see that in the game, whether that's a confidence issue, it's all in his head. We don't know. It's just – but uh, what this game is showing us is that this might be the start of Cody – Martin or Cody Martin uh, breaking out of this this little slump that he had, and four threes out of four for six from three, and that's a great stat line. So I'm looking to see that he can continue this trend and continue to shoot the ball well because we know he can do it. It's just whether he's just going to show us in the game or not. You're you're right, and Nevada Nevada shot the ball really effectively effectively yeah. from three, right? Uh, Thirteen to twenty seven, which uh, comes to forty eight percent mark. For the game, they shot fifty-three percent from the field, forty-eight percent from the field uh, from three, and then seventy percent from the line. Mm-hmm. You obviously like to get those free throws numbers up, but it was good to see that Nevada Nevada did get a did get the dominating win. It was a fun atmosphere. Uh, it was really cool uh, before everyone got in the stadium to look up and you would see the see the shirts blue and white, um, the stripe out. It was really good. It was. It was kind of weird to like when you look around the stadium and people and the game started like there'd just be hints of red all across the stadium. Uh, but overall, I think the athletics and marketing team did a very good job with the stripe out with Fazekas's jersey retirement. Uh, but anything else you'd like to add for this game? I think ultimately it was it was a great job by the community and the team to come together and not only honor Nick Fazekas but just create this like rivalry that we already have and just make it even better with the um, stripe out and just the amount of fans and support which is something that we honestly did not see a couple years ago just the shift in community and the shift in basketball culture that is now in this school it's great to see and it can only go up from here 
You're right. Now moving on to some muddied waters. Uh, muddy waters as we head to Logan, Utah for the game Saturday. Nevada did lose 81-76. This game was close. Um, but Nevada, we'll, we'll give it to you straight. Nevada didn't play well. Right. We, we Nevada ultimately should have won. This is a team that blew Utah State out by 20-plus points when they were in Reno. Uh, Nevada... Nevada just didn't shoot well. They 36% from the field, 26% from deep. But ultimately, what this game will be ruined by is uh, is the refs. Right. And this wasn't – it wasn't more just like we didn't really give up the ball that much. We turned the ball over 11 times. Okay, that's a little bit more than what we usually have. But we didn't see outrageous numbers. We didn't see the rebounding game, like, be affected that much. We out-rebounded them by one. So it was more just us not being able to hit it offensively, which was something that we saw earlier in the season. I'm not saying I think that we're going to go back to, you know, early season kind of mess-ups to where we're shooting 30% from the field every game. But this was kind of like a real step back, in my opinion, from where our offense was and to where it was going to where it is now. Um, 36% from the field, 26% from three. Those aren't atrocious numbers. It was just we've been making such good strides forward that this might be one step back and definitely not a good step that we wanted to take. You're right. Nevada was definitely carried in this game by their by, by their big players, although Jordan Caroline had another San Diego State-esque performance. Yeah. He shot 3 of 15, 0 of 5 from deep, 1 of 3 from the line, made – he had seven points, seven boards, not great. Uh, replacing JC in the big three was Treshawn. Now, Treshawn had one of the most effective nights of his career. 21 yeah. points, eight of 11 shooting, two from two from deep, three from three to the line. Added a double-double with 10 boards, three steals, two blocks. He was one of the most effective players in the, ge- right. in the game, even in, in all of college basketball that night. But he, he fouled out on a non-existent reaching call. This was a physical game. The refs let the players play, but you can't let them play when there's a non-existent foul. Nevada did not get any production out of its bench. In 40 minutes of total bench time, their bench unit only put up eight points. Jazz Johnson was the only bench unit to put up a shot. He went two of six from deep, eight points. But Jordan Brown only played two minutes. Corey Henson, 11 minutes. These guys... Jordan Brown and Court Henson didn't even record a stat. Their only stat recorder is a foul. Right. So yeah. Nevada, if Nevada's going to win, it's going to need big. They're going to need bigger unit, bigger, uh, bigger play from their bench unit. We need production from somewhere. I I totally agree. Whether it's Trayshawn Thurman, Trey Porter, we need production from somewhere because what was the common factor in that San Diego State loss and this loss too is Jordan Caroline is not playing good in these games where we are it's coming down to the wire and we're losing the common factor is Jordan Caroline not having a good game so we need someone else to step up in this Utah State game it was Trayshawn Thurman who had an amazing night as you said double double three steals two blocks just everywhere playing amazing on defense and offense and it came down to unfortunately a couple calls that just didn't go our way uh, I'm more of the person to blame it on statistics and what actually happened in game. But some of those calls, you just can't look the other way and say, you know, the game would have went out the same if they made it the different different call. It would have that call affected the game and definitely the the Caleb Martin posterizing dunk that was called a charge. That call affected the game. These calls are we can't ignore them and it's it, unfortunate, but it was just against us that game. Look, looking at screenshots of the of a photo, it's the most amazing thing ever. But also, the it's the fact that it's the fact that uh, he took off. He took off before Merrill was Merrill was still moving when he, when he took off. So I don't think you can call it that. I don't also don't know how the refs Merrill takes five charges, but only ends up with two fouls. Right. He takes five charges, but he can't. But he can't, but he doesn't, he only gets two fouls, so I don't know what the thing is. But just imagine getting dunked on that badly that they, that do they feel sorry for you? Right. Like, and also, we'll talk about what happened after the game in, in a bit, but also, we still haven't gotten Mountain West officials. Like, 
there was a call on Merrill where Merrill went straight into a Nevada defender, a blocking foul. Right. So and- I don't know if you're pro- protecting this guy, mm-hmm. but the re- the Mountain West refs need we need answers about what happened in the game. We need ha- we need to know what ha- also happens after the game. Right. I I totally agree. There's been many games where we've sat in these chairs and said what is happening with these refs they either let them play or they call the game so tightly that it greatly affects the outcome of the game which in my opinion is completely wrong refs should not be calling plays to affect the outcome of the game when it's that late they need to let players play and let players affect the outcome of the game and this is what we saw against Utah State was refs calling the game so it affected the outcome, which is wrong. And it's more of the inconsistency we see in the Mountain West refs as well. Because like you said, against UNLV, they let us play. They let the game go back and forth. That, game, that was a smoothly – right. for the most part, it was, smooth, it was a smooth game. That's, and so we see that inconsistency. So you say one game, we have a really smooth game, really good officiating crew. And then the next game, you see this. The, the inconsistency within the Mountain West refs is atrocious. I, I think there's just a college basketball atrociousness for what a charge slash block is. Uh, we've had sports writers, Bobby Regan, from who was a college basketball writer for Barstool. He's like, the fact that they called a charge on Caleb Martin, uh, there, should be o- there should be the only evidence that something needs to be done to change this rule. This is, that's just a horrendous call. We saw in the NBA Finals. A charge was uh, a blocking foul was overturned. You're telling me in a five point game with 33 seconds left, the officials can't overturn it. They can't look. They can't see the angles. Also, CBS did an awful job. Their announcers like he's like that charge was better than the better than the block. It was annoying. Right. It wasn't. Caleb Martin severely posterized Sam Merrill. Which I think is how the which is going to be the Mountain West Player of the Year race. Right. But you can't, you can't let one issue if he call determine the game because if it's a call to blocking foul, it's an and one. Nevada gets Caleb goes to the free throw line down three with thirty three seconds left. Caleb is we've known he's you know he's a clutch player. He probably makes the free throw, but then also you Nevada probably plays stout defense. 33 seconds when there's, what, a 30, is it a 30 second shot clock? Yeah. So Nevada doesn't have to foul. Right. We'd, we'd have to go back, look to see if Nevada had any more timeouts, but you can't let one, like, there were multiple, like, ident- like multiple bad charging calls right. that went against the pack. So maybe this is, they're playing for the hometown favorites. I don't know. Right. And that, that's what I'm saying. You can't let, we can't let a call determine the game to where, you know, like you said, I, I completely agree. That call changes the entire game because of what hap- what was going to happen if he made that dunk and they called it a blocking and, you know, what if, what if, what if, that kind of stuff. It comes down to it, yes, we played poorly. Uh, we got we got our butts handed to us. We needed to play better. We needed to hit our free throws down the late game. At the same time, there's some, there is some blame to be put on the refs and the inconsistency that we saw. One point that comes out of this, though, is I really hope we see Utah State in the Mountain West Tournament. I am praying and hoping that we see this team in the Mountain West Tournament because I think that our team, due to what we'll talk about in a little bit, is going to be incredibly fired up to play this team again. And I think that if we play them again, it's not even going to be a game. I think our team's going to be so incredibly pumped that we're going to kill them. We are joined current day. Uh, this is we are recording this Tuesday. We recorded the last part Monday, so this is a little bit different for us. Uh, we have now gotten more evidence regarding the altercation behind after the game. Um, we are joined here, Austin, and then Madeline Purdue, who is the editor-in-chief for the Nevada Sagebrush. Welcome. Thank you. Thanks for having me on. So since Monday night, they released backstage footage, uh, security camera footage of the locker room incident, and it is quite astonishing to say the least. I'm... The one part we don't know, the two the two mysteries within all this is what was said to Jordan Caroline after the game and what was said to pretty much get Nevada to run out, run after Utah State because it wasn't Jordan Caroline that led the initial charge. It was the assistant coaches. What are your guys' thoughts? Well, I think that 
it was obviously an emotional game. And if you take a look at the security footage, Jordan was very upset after the game. And that's not to say that what was said to him uh, wasn't anything less that would have not triggered that reaction had he not been emotional after the game. But he was very upset with the way he played. He was upset with the results and everything. So that definitely has a factor into it. But... He had calmed himself down and made his way pretty much to the Nevada locker room before charging out. So whatever was said, it was enough not only to spring him, like you said, the assistant coaches, but the entire team. The entire team came bursting out of that locker room. Yeah, it was. it's unfortunate what happened after the game. You never want to see a game end that way and go down that way, but it it did on it did happen unfortunately and it just shows that there needs to be better security there needs to be better stuff put in place for the end of game especially in this tight environment you know it's for ba- the battle of the first place in the mountain west it's going to get heated and everyone wants to win um unfortunately there was some stuff said by uh, utah state assistant coaches and it it did like like madeline said like triggered the entire team to run after um the person that was saying it. So it was unfortunate events. It was just ever since these videos come out really shows what exactly happened. What I don't get is we've seen court stormings before with the pack this year, and we've seen Jordan Caroline not play well. Mm-hmm. Sandy, I eat San Diego State. But Jordan and Caroline was never this emotional. Right. And that San Diego State team, Nevada played worse. That that was mm-hmm. the worst game. We, we, we can By far. Uh, facts. Yeah. But – what I don't get is, was Jordan and Caroline, this, I, I want to know, when the initial video broke, how long did it take from once Nevada left the court to that? Because Jordan Caroline was distraught. He obviously then punched the glass, but was he this emotional after the game? Or, like, during the handshake line? Because I know, obviously... Some things were said in between the handshake line. Uh, Utah State coaches refused to shake Gus Arginal's hand, and then Musk dipped out early, um, which it's the handshake line. The handshake line's only meant for hockey. Right. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, the coaches, you you saw that there was something there was something happening in the handshake line. You saw multiple coaches either not shake hands or there was even some words said. You saw Musk turn around multiple times in that video of the handshake line. So obviously the start, the talking started there. Um, I mean, it's just yeah, it's just unfortunate because these coaches are supposed to be influences and set um, examples for these young men that are playing in their program. So I mean, on both ends, it's not just Utah State. If it is Nevada as well, it's these guys are supposed to be setting examples. You never want to see us after a game, um, but ultimately, yeah, it got it got both teams to that to that breaking point. Yeah, the conclusion that I was brought to after reviewing everything that's been released so far is that multiple things led to this combustion. Um, You have the Utah State fans who uh, have clearly not been the best uh, sportsmanlike people, um, which has been, you know, tweeted about from different players, not even within the Nevada organization, but um, players who, and coaches who used to coach within the Mountain West or against Utah State in WAC, and uh, they said, you know, they call our players the N-word, they do all this um, really crazy crap, and they're not surprised that this is the result. And then within the game, uh, if you watch the initial video that was released by the um, Utah uh, media guy with the original one that got like all the attention you can hear Gus Arnold being really upset that their players were touched and initially mm-hmm. we thought that was because the students rushed the court and they touched the players but then there was video evidence that didn't happen and what uh, Murray had said was that it seems that this that uh, one of the Mar twins fell down right in front of the student section um, during the game. And while he was getting up, some of the students reached over the student section to touch him, which is like an obvious no. So there was Mm -hmm. that. Uh, Jordan was sick during this game. That was uh, something that had been confirmed by the coaching staff. So he wasn't feeling well. Um, If you saw the bullshit that the student section put out, clearly they are aware of uh, the fact that he has a child and probably were not nice about saying things like that. On top of the fact that he didn't play well and it led to the third loss in the Mountain West Conference, which they were expected to go undefeated in this year. High expectations, but also the expectation um, that was set, you know, so 
it's a lot combining onto one moment and we put a lot of pressure on these student athletes and like you said it's mm-hmm. up to the coaches to kind of lead by example but also with all that emotional pressure adding on and adding on in a really high energy environment it's not that surprising that things exploded right. look it's in it, oh since this video initially came out nevada media and nevada fans uh, national media have all come out and said Jordan Caroline is one of the nicest guys I could personally test. We've had him on the show multiple times. He is the voice of Pac Center. You can hear his voice in the intro. But, like, it's just like we, we initially thought something was said ra- racially. Mm-hmm. Jeff, Goodman, uh, Jeff Goodman of uh, Stadium confirmed that it was not. But it's just I'm just trying to figure out, like, where – what went wrong from what happened? What escalated from the fact that when they left the tunnel, it seemed fine to uh, to him punching the glass? Because in the video, you also see uh, David Cunningham just without his jersey. Right. So how far how far are the timelines between when that like when that happened and then when the other footage happened? Because mm-hmm. we don't know like time specifically right and you see you see that the team walking back from in through the tunnel to their locker room after the game and you see Jordan Caroline distraught and I think I mean that's just exactly what you pointed out was like we've never seen Jordan Caroline I think ever like that and we've seen him upset after really tough games and like you said San Diego State he had a really tough game we've seen them upset before but that was to another level where I think you can almost like make the assumption where, like they were saying some stuff to where it upset him to that to that level, and then that one last thing when they were all in the tunnel, when all the assistant coaches turned around, that last thing um, just broke it. Well, you know, and losing isn't new to this team. They got over their initial loss. Mm-hmm. You know, the New Mexico loss that stung. You mm-hmm. know, especially since we had that amazing comeback in the pit a couple years ago. Um, and like you said, we've. You know, Garrett and I have been here for four years and watched the program expand. Right. We have seen this program lose, and we've seen them lose gracefully. They, This is a team that knows how to lose and knows how to rebound from that. They have not changed in their attitude and mentality. They were built on this attitude and mentality, so that wasn't a problem or an issue. So there is definitely external factors that are not being presented here. There are details that are not being presented. Will we ever find out what was said to Jordan Caroline? My guess is probably not because the PR is already so bad for the Mountain West Mm -hmm. with this. You're right. And the video picks up with uh, the first three seconds of the video. Brandon Edwards, I believe it's Brandon Edwards, the assistant coach, is holding Jordan Caroline. So something obviously led up to this because obviously Jordan Caroline wasn't like that when he left the court so what was and also you look at the security footage like something was obviously said to the Wolfpack that assistant coaches were trying to figure out what was said and then Jordan Caroline rushes through the a gap and uh and then then the players come so I don't know what was said and there's a minute gap in between in the footage where the players are just gone out of, out of sight uh, after they rush yeah after they State. rush yeah. so it'll be interesting to see what stadium picks up what uh uh NSN picks up because with with the running of the wolves series we've had cameras on us the entire time so this not necessarily is a great look for us but it will make for entertaining content as a viewer. And that's why March Madness is arguably the greatest reality TV show of all time. <laughs> well, you know, you always want to see a team go through adversity. You you know, it's not really fun to watch a team just completely take over. And I think that this season would have been uh, arguably less magical had we just run through the Mountain West Conference. Like, yeah, it would have been nice to be like, hey, we were undefeated in our conference and would have gotten us a better seed and things like that. But you don't want to take your first loss in the tournament. You know, that's not what you want to do. You want to have to be able to has have said that we have faced adversity and we're still here. Right. And I think that's a better look for them overall. Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, this is just 
another piece to able to like fuel this fire that we have going on. I think the team's going to be more fired up after this. And like you said, Jordan Caroline was obviously fired up, and I think he's going to have a phenomenal, phenomenal like rest of the season because of this. Um, yeah, he almost knocked if he over. Play, if he plays tonight. Right. I think there's been some rumors that he is playing. He's been in shooting around, shooting around so that's good. But, um, yeah, I mean, he almost ran Muss over just to get to the Utah State locker room. So definitely heated stuff, but hopefully this just uh, fuels their fire. Look, there are multiple things the Mountain West needs to fix. It needs to fix its officials. It needs to fix its TV deal. Mm-hmm. Uh, PR. I, Do I, not get me started on the officials, guys. <laughs> I went off. Off on Saturday night. I went off. It was you, bad. You should, it's fun playing It's fun playing villain on the internet at some point. Uh, but also, the Mountain West statement, uh, for those who don't know what it said, after a thorough investigation uh, into the circumstances of Saturday night incident, with which include a review of numerous video clips from various sources and the collection of written statements from multiple individuals, the Mountain West has concluded the uh, situation was not caused by the court rush. Uh, there was post-game management plan in place, and it was executed successfully. No, it was not. If it was executed successfully, Nevada would have a have a way to get to its locker room. Right. Exactly. If Nevada got to its locker room, I don't think this entire situation happened. No, and that's what I was I was I was talking to one of my buddies about that too. Is this this would not have happened if they were just able to go through the right locker room? They would have been separated this entire time. The only inner like the only altercation they would have had remotely was the the handshake line at the end of the game. And then they would have gone their separate ways. They wouldn't have seen each other. They wouldn't have heard each other. Nothing like that. We've seen before this whole handshake line issue. Um, Austin, I don't know how old you are if you were here for the CBI tournament, but I remember that very clearly my freshman year. And when the um, Missouri coach, Missouri, was it? Moorhead State. Moorhead State. That's it. Sorry. When the Moorhead State coach refused to shake Muss's hand after the second game, Muss was pissed. He, you know, was videoed shouting back back at him for not shaking his hand so like I wouldn't say handshake lines are this isn't the first time we've handled this issue this isn't the first time we've seen it people clearly get upset in winning environments like this so I I you know if it just it's again it's a contributing factor but like you said if we had been in the right locker room, if we had been um, separated from the team, we didn't have to go through and see their management and um, everyone else there, then this would have never happened. And, you know, no one can say what was said, what would be said in the locker room, how that would have been handled. You know, maybe it would have never been revealed that Jordan Caroline was that upset after the game, you know? Unfortunate that he you know, physically damaged property. Um, definitely not the best look for him, but also we will never know if it was justified because it's likely we will never know what was said. Right. Look, fan, PAC fans have raised, raised $300 to replace a glass, which I'm sure is more than enough. Uh, but it was on today's uh, NSN Daily, uh, Doug Newth joined Chris Murray and I think uh, Brian Smudio. Uh, and Doug Newth said, this is not what we want it to be. This is not who our team is. We play hard and intense and emotional, but when it, com- when it, came- when it come off the court, we have to be able to control it, which I think is the proper thing to say. Nevada is a team that plays with a lot of emotion. We've seen that. Uh, Jordan Carolyn's the one of the emotional leaders on this team. So I think Nevada will respond uh, intensely, and I will be interesting to see what Muss um, has to say or going forward. Because initially, I was gonna I was gonna delay the re- release of this podcast till we got um, like a Muss statement or a Muss uh, press release, but it hasn't come in three days. So I mean, he's tweeted about the incident, though he not not necessarily tweet- the incident, but about Jordan himself, and said he's a great player. My family has come to know and love him in the program, and uh, you know he very much stands behind his player. And more importantly, I think that Musselman's wife's uh, tweets Danielle Musselman. 
she was tweeting about how Jordan is incredible. She says, I have seen firsthand the incredible amount of work that Jordan Carolina has put in to become one of the best basketball players in the entire country. His success has been a testament to his work ethic, perseverance, and character. While the rest of the world only knows Jordan on the court, our family has had the absolute pleasure of getting to know Jordan off the court. Jordan is an amazing young man with strong morals and a kind heart. Any suggestion otherwise is unequivocally wrong. For my husband and I, the players that become part of our program are also becoming part of our family. Over the last four years, Jordan has found a special place in our hearts. We love Jordan and will fully support him now and for the rest of his life. So if for Musselman, not only to put his neck out there, but for Danielle to put her neck out there as well to be offered criticism, he clearly knows, obviously he was there. He knows what was said. He feels as if his player was justified. And I don't think that Mus is the type of coach that would just go to bat for his players if he didn't think that they were justified because that would look bad on him. And he is very much about his image and what that means, especially since he might not be coaching here next year. So he's kind of, you know, his image is very important as well. That's a whole other issue to get into, but just saying. Yeah, I agree. I mean, we all know as Pac fans how – nice and how caring Jordan Caroline is. He's always, you know, the first one to give autographs, take pictures with kids. He's one of the nicest per- people on the team. So it's it's definitely disheartening when you see people bash his name over social media, but we know who the true Jordan Caroline is. And like you said, obviously Eric wouldn't uh, be backing his player if he knew he was in the wrong. So um, just wish the best to Jordan Caroline. Yeah, um Wrapping up this thing, uh, please Mountain West fix this actual send out an official statement and thank God Jordan Caroline wasn't suspended. We need him. Yeah, yeah as we mentioned, dropped to second in the Mountain West, but Nevada still has two more games to play. Utah State has one. Uh, if Nevada wins the two, I think they have the tiebreaker. Yeah, I don't. Do. I don't know how the Mountain West tiebreaker works. It works with. It should just be that Nevada, since Nevada beat Utah State by more, they have the tiebreaker. But I don't know. If Nevada wins out, then we we get the Mountain West title. Yeah, which obviously which obviously has big implications right. because of the tournament. Right. Uh, because you obviously don't want to play the four or five seeds or exactly. But moving on, Nevada has two games this week. A rare Tuesday game for the Pack. Um, last time I remember a Tuesday game being the Loyola Chicago game. Nevada travels to, to Air Force, a uh, team that Air Force is kind of on the rise. They're sixth in the Mountain West. They were struggling at the beginning. They, As we know, noted, they held Nevada 20 points in the first half right. in their last matchup. Mm-hmm. But they won three in a the row. They've beaten Fresno State. They beat Wyoming, and they beat San Jose State. This is a team that doesn't score a lot but plays pretty good defense, as we alluded to in their first matchup. Um, I think the Pack come out fired up. They don't lose. Uh, this is more than a 15-point game. Yeah. I agree. This is... They're going to be so fired up to play again that the Packers are going to completely cream them. I think the first time we played them, it was kind of weird because, like we said before, it was kind of the halftime of this game where the Wolfpack's offense was able to wake up from the beginning of the year slump that we were seeing. So the game before was kind of interesting due to that. I still think we're going to see a really great offensive outing from the team just because of what happened last game. And we've had Air Force's number in the past. I don't think there's anything that could really stop our team right now from firing on all cylinders. I think the offense comes out, does really well. I say we beat them by 15, maybe 20 if if everything's cooking right and if our defense can play well as well. I'm excited to see um, what the starting lineup's going to be. Hopefully that uh, we can get some get some jazz time in there. Maybe he'll he'll start. But Treshawn definitely earned it. I think after that last game, Treshawn obviously had it. Had in a very effective, a yeah. very well night, but if you're gonna need you're gonna need a bench scoring, bench uh, production right. to win games. Now it'll be interesting to see, like, what they do, what he does with Jordan Jordan Brown. He's only got two minutes against Utah State, a game which he probably should have played more, uh, because Utah State had a big game, uh, had bigs in the game at all times. So I don't know why Jordan Brown didn't play. But I do think Nevada comes away with the easy win. Um, this is a team that's fired up. This is a team that uh, knows that it has to win the final two games as yep. part of the first three. Um, but overall, I think I think Nevada's offense comes to play uh, against Air Force. And moving on to their final home game, senior night, it will be really emotional uh, for the 
for the six seniors, I think, that are graduating. Yep. Uh, against San Diego State, obviously, their second loss of the year was to San Diego State. Uh, we mentioned it a few weeks ago, stopping Jalen McDaniel, stopping Hemsley, stopping uh, Watson. But this will be a, a really good moment for Jordan Caroline, who should have his number in the rafters, should be next because of all he's done. He scored 2,000 plus points. He's the number one. Uh, del- he's got the most double doubles in Mountain West history. He's been here three years. He's going to make three NCAA tournaments, one Sweet 16. Uh, what is it? Two Mountain West player of the two Mountain West uh, first team all all conference. Um, so I do think he'll be there. Cody and Caleb, Trey Sean, he's graduating. Uh, Trey Porter and then Corey was it Corey Henson. Yep. So it's going to be an emotional night for the six for the six seniors. Plus they're going to want to get revenge on San on San Jose State or San Diego State. But I also don't know how the fans are going to act because this is their first home game. This is the game. This is the this is their final home game of the regular season. Obviously, it's coming off the Utah State loss. Uh, plus, last when we were in San Diego, they stormed the court. So I don't know what's going to be. Plus, there could be implications with the Mountain West title. So who knows what's going to happen? All I know is I hope there's enough security there uh, so that if something does happen, we are prepared. We can, so there don't be another incident. Uh, but overall, I think Nevada wins the final two games, claims the share of the Mountain West title, and we head to Vegas uh, on top. Yeah, San Diego is going to be a big game for us, especially, you know, senior night, being at home, losing to them last time we played them. This is a really big game. These seniors, this entire team, but more specifically, these seniors do not want to lose to San Diego State twice this season. I know that for a fact. I don't think they will let them. I don't think they're going to lose. I don't think they'll let them lose. I think it's going to be a close game. I say we'll win by around 10, though, just because due to home court advantage and being so fired up due to everything that's happened and the loss, I think the crowd is going to come uh, come in prepared. I think we're going to have a really big crowd due to the last last game of the season, senior night. They're going to want to see you know the Twins, JC. They're going to want to see him outright. I think it's going to be a huge game, huge game with uh, end of the year potential to be one of the uh, game of the year possibly. So I think we're going to win by around ten. I think offense is going to take care of business. It's just more of can we shut down their scores? Yeah, and moving on, we are officially in March. It's the first episode of March, so we are wrapping up the days till March seventeenth, Selection Sunday. Uh, we got just under two two weeks, I think. Yeah. Looking at bracketology, ESPN's Joe Lenardi has Nevada as a what was it a five seed yep. yeah, playing in the South Region against New Mexico State, playing in San Jose. Uh, according to Bill Bender of Sporting News, he has Nevada as a four seed, which will put Nevada in San Jose uh, because the lack of good West Coast teams. And according to CBS's uh, guy, they have Nevada playing in Salt Lake City as a five seed. So four or five uh, is what you're gonna see. Expect for Nevada is if if they win out, including the conference tournament four seed. I don't think they'll get the three seed no. anymore. But <laughs> according to Sports Illustrated, they have Nevada as a seven seed, which is an no absolute joke. Yeah. Um, but I do think Nevada will be in San Jose. I think the lack of good West Coast teams will put them there. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah. Yeah, overall, NCAA is out to make money. They're going to want their big West Coast teams playing out in the West Coast. We're going to be playing in San Jose to get the most fans, most money. I think we're going to be a four seed when it's all said and done, when it's all cemented going into the tournament. I think we'll be a four seed. We see see us as a fifth seed right now. I, I don't like those 5-12 matchups, but I think, you know, especially if we win out, win the rest of the season, then going into the uh, Mountain West tournament, we win that out as well. I think that earns us a spot going into um, that fourth seed, especially probably with playing and beating uh, Utah State. So, you know, I think we'll we'll edge up to a fourth seed, which will be huge in March Madness. It sets the pack up perfectly to a potential Final Four run. Yeah, and uh, this this obviously it's a tough run with the tournament, but now that now that Utah State won, it probably is a lock. Nevada now uh, was it four teams they faced in the tournament: Lower Chicago, Utah State, Arizona State, and uh, South Dakota State. So it's good to see that 
Nevada finally has a quad one win, which right. is great to see, but not it didn't it didn't help that it came on the hands of a loss. Right. Um but anything else you want to add for men's basketball? No, just really looking forward to March Madness. Yeah, make sure to come out and support Saturday. Uh, the game is 7.30 p.m., CBS Sports Network. And you already know with CBS Sports Network, the game before Nevada is going to run late. Yep. And uh, we're going to take a quick break and come back with some women's basketball talk. back from break thank you for listening to pack center on whatever platform it may be whether it's itunes or soundcloud now we jump into women's basketball who as we mentioned uh at the beginning of the show went oh and two they lost to nevada southern 67 58 at one point in this game they the rebels were leading by 25 so it's cool to see nevada cut the game to nine although it doesn't mean anything uh seeing the fact that they lost but Nevada did struggle in the beginning. At halftime, they were outscored 38-18. Uh, to 18. So when you're being outscored by 20-plus points, it's not great. Nevada got off to a very slow start, only scoring eight points in the first quarter. But also the turnovers were a big issue in this game. Nevada turned the ball over 18 times. Uh, you're not going to win games when you have 18 turnovers and seven assists. You'd like to see that assist-to-turnover ratio be positive. In this game, it wasn't. Nevada shot the three ball, 0 of 5. They shot uh, 21 of 48 from a field, which comes out to 43%. Not horrible. Right. And this team this team didn't do one specific thing horribly. They just did a bunch of ba- little things bad. They gave up a lot of turnovers. They let the they let UNLV they let UNLV shoot fifty two percent from the field. If you're gonna let a team shoot fifty two percent from the field, it's gonna be incredibly hard to win that game. So we see the defense not being able to step up, and we see uh, the offense kind of going flat. You know, with zero for five from the three point line, and with so many turnovers. So we need to definitely cut back on those turnovers and step up our defensive game if we're wanting to win uh, games against teams like this. Yeah, you're right. Even the, even UNLV shooting the ball 38.5% from deep, that's not horrible. Right. You allowed uh, their best their best player, Katie Powell, to score 19, uh, while Nevada's best player, Torrey Briggs, only scored 14. Nevada only had two players in double figures. Actually, no, that's not true. They had three players in double figures. Torrey Briggs, Essence Booker, and Jade Redman all had uh, double digits, 14, 13, and 11, respectively. But I do think that Nevada just got kind of outhandled from the beginning, and it was kind of hard for them to come back and uh, come back and win. Right. Yeah. From I mean, scoring eight points in the first quarter, ten points in the second quarter, we can see they were struggling from the beginning. So it wasn't just doing one thing incredibly horrible. It's just they didn't play well from the start, and they got outplayed. So we need to cut back on those turnovers and really show the effort. And we see that lack of effort on the defensive end allowing UNLV to shoot such a high percentage from the field. You're right. Nevada, you're not going to win a lot of games when you struggle right. from the gate. Exactly. Uh, although the men's men's basketball team does it. Uh, it's a different story. <laughs> yeah, but the fact that Nevada, uh, the Wolfpack, turned the ball over 18 times is not great. Uh, there wasn't anyone. Uh, Trey Briggs had five fouls fouled out of the game. But overall, it's just the fact that Nevada had 30. They won the rebounding battle, which is right. – which is really interesting, but just got outscored. Uh, they didn't shoot the ball efficiently from three. They, at least, I think Nevada has realized that it's not a three-point shooting team. Yeah, shooting five threes in this game. Um, we're looking. We're out here looking like Ben Simmons. Yeah, exactly. I mean, if that's okay, if we could just find ways to win the game, we can't. We can't just let the other team walk walk around and shoot at an incredibly high rate um, from the field and to turn the ball over eighteen times is atrocious. So. You know, we can, we can, we know that we're not a three point shooting team. We can shoot 43% from the field, but we need to play better in different aspects to get the win. Also, also, I think one of the things is not getting any production out of a starter. Right. Kamaria King, a 32 minutes of play, zero points, uh, two fouls, four assists, three turnovers, and two steals. Oh, of six from the field. Uh, you'd like to see your starters put up big minutes, but you also see, uh, Essence Booker put up, 
14 point, uh, 13 points off the bench. So sort of replacing right. King. But overall, you'd like to see them obviously score more points uh, than the opponents. But moving on to the second game of the week, Nevada did host um, Utah State, and they lost 71-59. to uh, Nevada did not get out to a slow start this game. Uh, they just kind of were outscored in the second quarter, and that's what kind of put the game away. Right. Yeah, and it was, was, you know, kind of a tale of just continuation of a UNLV game. We saw their defense struggle again. Uh, they allowed Utah State to be 50, 50% from the field, 41% from three. This is a team that needs to step it up on defense if they want to be competitive and eventually win games. Them themselves shot 36% from the field goal, uh, from the field, and then only 29% from three. So at least they made a couple threes this game, but like you said, they're not a three-point uh, shooting team. So we'd like to see that their offensive efficiency go up while they start showing some backbone on defense and start stopping some teams. Yeah, no, um, looking at like the starters, uh, Kamaria King, uh, four points. Kristen Durth, zero points. Teray Briggs, four points. The two leading scorers for this team both came off the bench. Uh, Michaela Christian had 13 on five and nine shooting, two for five from deep, efficient. Uh, Essence Booker, 24, po- 24 minutes off the bench, 10 points. Another big game from her. Yeah. But it's also the fact that you're not getting a good production of your starters. Your starters combined for eight, uh, 23 points. Right. And Redmond and Briggs, this is something that I we guess 20, haven't. I guess 23 points when your team scores 59 isn't horrible. But still, it's especially from Briggs and Redmond, who day in, day out this season we've seen have big games. Those are the players that they kind of can lean on in this kind of situation to get points and get offensive efficiency. Yet in this game, they combined for 12 points and really, really hurt the team. Yeah. um, Obviously, you'd like to see them win, but especially as we've seen with conference play, you never know what's going to happen. Nevada now uh, goes into its final game, which is Monday, so you'll you'll be hearing this after the fact because... That's how our recording schedule works. Uh, Nevada has two seniors on the roster, Jade Redmond and Teray Briggs, arguably the two biggest players on this year. They've had probably the best best years, um, the best best season for the pack right. this year. Yeah. Um, you look at their individual stats; they will be greatly missed. Yeah, obviously, obviously, you lose the two your two highest scorers, um, as Briggs and Redmond have both scored over three hundred points a game. 300 points this year. They're both averaged 14. Uh, Redmond averages 14 a game, thir- and uh, Briggs averages 13. Other than that, no other player averages 10 boards a game. But Briggs also averages 13 points, seven, uh, seven boards. So, yeah, obviously, we you're not losing as many players as you did last year, but these are also two of your biggest players. Right, yeah. It's, this uh, senior night will be, will be really special for these two. They're instrumental to this team. That they're they're leaders. They know how to score the ball. They know how to help this team be better. So it's going to be a really special senior night. It's going to be great for them to, you know, play in their final game. And it's going to be great for uh, Pack fans to be able to see them off as well. Yeah, you're right. We obviously it's going to be, I think I think a big night against uh, Air Force. But then obviously their final game is they travel to San Diego. So we wish them the best of luck. Right. Uh, we'll keep you more posted as uh, we get into conference play to see what see, tournament play and see where their seating is. But any final thoughts on this segment? Uh, no, I'm looking forward to a Mountain West Conference tournament play. Yeah, uh, and with that being said, we'll take a quick break, final break, and we'll jump into the final segment. We are back for the final segment of today's show. Uh, Nevada baseball had a rough weekend, losing two out of three to a not-so-great 
Washington State team. Uh, first game they lost 16 to two. It was just a horrible uh, game all around. Nevada committed four errors, uh, and we're just outscored. Yeah. Uh, Nevada trailed early, and then often, Nevada only scored, as we mentioned, two runs. But yeah, they had 16 hits, 16 runs. Uh, Nevada only had two hits, six hit, two runs, six hits. So you're not gonna win game when you're giving up 16 hits. Right. Yeah. The, we just need a step up our defensive game, honestly. And that, that was the big story in that first game was our defense. There was nothing we, we could really do once they got up so early, so much so early. It was just it was kind of just kind of damage control at that point. But it was definitely we need to step up our defense and start getting bats to balls and start putting in um putting in runs. You're right. And it's not going to it's not going to be an effective night when you score uh, your runs on a single and a one home run, a solo right. shot. Although Weston Haddon did hit his uh, hit a home run, so it's good to see. Uh, moving on, we're going to just jump. We don't really – this game was a blowout. Um, game two, uh, I was actually in attendance, so maybe I'm a good luck charm for the Wolfpack go. baseball team. Nevada did win 8-1. to one. Ryan Anderson improved to 3-0 and on the year. Uh, Nevada trailed – Early in the first, but then they managed to score eight unanswered runs. Yep. Uh, big games from uh, Dylan Strum. He had two for four with a home run. Uh, Josh Zamora, although he although he only hit one of five, he did hit a grand slam, which was a moonshot. But honestly, I'm more impressed from uh, Otis Statham Jr. His home run was a moonshot. I don't know if that ball has landed yet. Otis Statham hit a home run in the seventh inning. Uh, so it was really good to see. That was I'm so I think that ball is still flying. But overall, great great effort. Uh, Ryan Anderson went six innings, allowed six hits, allowed a run, struck out two. The bullpen did a very good job. Gustafson pitched two innings release. Bonifant pitched uh, an inning. So it's good to see the Wolfpack get a win. Yeah, Otis Statham. Uh, shout out to Otis for getting his uh, first home run in a Wolfpack uniform. So that's always great to see. It seemed like our bats just couldn't quiet down this game. It seemed that every single person that went up to the plate got a hit, which is great to see, and that's something that we really didn't see early in the season was kind of just our pitching was taking over and our defense was taking over, and we were kind of waiting for our bats to come alive. This game, our bats definitely came alive. We were seeing home runs. We were seeing uh, you know runs batted in. We were seeing hits from literally every single person, so it's great to see the Wolfpack put together a game where we can hit like this and pitch like this and get a quality win. Ryan Anderson pitching amazing again. Definitely going to be, I think, our ace and our go-to guy down the stretch. So overall, a great game from the pack, and hopefully they can turn this into some momentum. Yeah, uh, obviously they did not. Uh, they lost. Looking ahead, looking yeah, ahead. Yeah, looking ahead. <laughs> they lost game three. It was uh, The backs weren't as yeah. active. Three, Nevada lost uh, three to one. Nevada did out hit them, out hit the Cougars nine to five. Right. Uh, but the only run they scored was on a Josh Zamora single in the in the seventh inning. So they they had a big fourth inning, scoring two runs, um, two out of the four runs, which came in one inning. So it was a big big inning. Uh, Zamora went two for four. Uh, Shrum went uh, two for four. Nick Siemens went two for three. So it was good to see. Some some players having good games. Owen Schertz, uh took the loss, first collegiate loss, six innings, three hits, two runs, striking out four. Not a bad not a bad outing. It's just you allowed you allowed two runs and Nevada could only score one. Yeah, I think it was overall a good game. We did lose the game, but I think overall it was a good game. We saw our pitching uh be pretty steady. We saw our defense be pretty steady. Our offense, we we got a lot of hits. We got a lot of bats and balls, but we left players stranded, which has kind of been the story of our season. We can't keep stranding players on the uh, base base paths like that. We need to start uh, hitting them in and start getting some ribbies. We can't just keep uh, getting hits and leaving them on the bases. So once we can start getting people across the plate and start getting them in, I think we'll be we'll be in a good position. Yeah, Nevada now uh, their season they improved to seven and three on the year, pretty good still. Yeah. They now travel, have a tough, tough stuff. Uh, they go to Grand Canyon University 
uh, for one game on Phoenix. Er, it's one game in Phoenix on Wednesday. Then they kick off Mountain West play with San Diego State. San Diego State was projected to finish above them in the in the turn in the preseason predictions. They are five and four on the year. Three interesting three game set. Uh, they won two out of three against San Francisco. They beat top twenty five team UC Irvine, uh, but then they beat Utah and then lost to Oklahoma, lost to uh, Kansas State, and then. Yeah, no, they started. They've had a couple games postponed uh, due to weather in up in Air Force. So they also before they play Nevada, they also uh, tra- they also host tech, fourteen number fourteen Texas Tech. So hopefully Nevada can go into Tony Gordon Stadium and get some wins. Yeah, it's gonna be a hard. It's gonna be a hard three game stretch. Definitely, San Diego State is a really good baseball team. We all know what they can do. This will be interesting to kind of test our young guys and see. All right, what is the what is the threshold for this baseball team? What's How good are they really going to be? This San Diego State team, like you said, is predicted to finish above us. So it's a good baseball team. They, they've they done some good things with some ranked opponents. I'm, I'm interested to see how they do against Texas Tech. But like you said, it's going to be a hard game. We need to start you know, scoring some runs to beat teams like San Diego State. Yeah, Nevada's still the only baseball team to not have not played a uh, Mountain West game this year. Uh, currently in first place is Air Force. They're one and zero. Then followed by New Mexico two and one. Fresno and State and UNLV are tied one one. San Jose State one and two. And then rounding out the bottom, San Diego State zero and one. But this is also just the first series right. of the of the Mountain West season. So I'm not worried about anything. I think yeah. the Wolfpack go in, win two out of three, win three out of four, including the uh, Grand Canyon game. So I do think Nevada baseball will be fine. Uh, just a tough weekend, uh, but I do think that once they go to sunny San Diego, they'll be fine. Yeah, I think I think we'll go three out of four for this uh, total week. I think we'll beat GCU. I think we'll get two out of three for San Diego State. It'll be hard and it'll be a be competitive games, but I think we can do it. I'm I have faith in this baseball team. Yeah, moving on to softball, we combined them last year. We'll combine them last week. We'll kind of combine them this week. Uh, they went to Fayetteville, Arkansas, the Woo Pig Classic. They won three out of four. Their last game was canceled. Um, they defeated on Friday. They defeated Northwestern State six to three. They lost to Arkansas nine to six. Uh, Danielle Gibson did not hit four home runs against us, which was great. They beat University of Nebraska at Omaha. Uh, Treshawn Thurman's former team eight nothing, and then they final wrapped up the series, uh, wrapped up the classic, winning four to three against Northwestern State. Good to see that the Wolfpack are coming into this game. Coming into this upcoming series, winners of they won three out of their last. They won three out of the four games this series. But even dating back to the last one, they're still they've won three in a row. They had a nice four game winning streak, so they've won seven out of the last eight. Yeah, they're 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 doing real well. The softball team six out of the last seven. Yeah, they're 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 clicking on all cylinders right now, which is great to watch as a fan. We 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 want them to keep winning, and their only loss or their loss that they took against Arkansas wasn't a bad loss either. Arkansas is a very very good softball team, so this softball team I think they're on the the up and up, and they're looking to continue to get better. Uh, one one in particular, Dallas Millwood. Uh, she's had one hit in the last six games, two hits, three ribbies against uh, who were ranked at 14th at the time against Arkansas. So they're. They're clicking on all cylinders, and they're led by some some really good, talented uh, players. Yeah, you're right. You look at the offense. You're obviously led by uh, Sierra Mello, Kenzie Goins. They're right. you know, the, the big hitters in this lineup. You have multiple hitters who are hitting above 300, which is really good. You have uh, multiple people with uh, double-digit RBIs. You have uh, Kenzie Goins and as Dallas Mello, as mentioned, 11 RBIs each. Uh, looking at averages, you have Sierra Mello, who's hitting 353, which is incredible. Kenzie Goins, 340. And then Haley Bird is just under that mark, uh, hitting two, 297. So um, I do think the Wolfpack are now finding their stride. Uh, they kept it close with Arkansas, a team yep. that, as you mentioned, number 14 in the nation. Yep. At one point, Nevada did have uh, – the game was tied 6-6, and then they just – Arkansas – Added one in the bottom of the fifth and then two in the bottom of the sixth, just able to get the win. So, 
I think this is a good sign to come for the Wolfpack, uh, especially as we enter uh, the remaining few tournament classics and then enter Mountain West play. As this week, they travel to the Bay Area to to play in the Silicon Valley Classic 2. I guess there was a Silicon Valley Classic 1. I don't know. Uh, First game, they travel. They play. The games are in Santa Clara and San Jose. First game is at... Uh, versus Cal State Fullerton. Second game, Cal State Northridge. Third game, Northern Kentucky, which is a weird one to have. And then last one, UC Davis. Interesting to have um, uh, Northern Kentucky in a game. Right. Yeah, I th- But this game, I think, from UC Davis, if I'm not mistaken, this game uh, against UC Davis was a makeup game from their UC Davis-Sacramento oh, State Tournament. Okay. Uh it was canceled due to weather. Right. So I, I think this game is a makeup game, but I'm not sure. Yeah, this is going to be a good, uh, good couple games looking ahead. I think these are winnable games, especially how the Wolfpack have been playing recently. We all know what they're like offensively. This softball team is explosive, and they are getting hits left and right. It's just can our pitching step up and really limit these teams to a lower, uh, low number so that our bats can really take over and win us some games. Yeah, this is the final tournament, and then uh, we head to Mountain West play later on, and later on in the month in a couple weeks, like next week. Yep. But I do think if the offense keeps up, they've scored 24 runs in four games, right. so it's good, uh, especially even dating back to since the Oregon State game. Since the Oregon State game in the, in the uh, Libby Madison Classic, they scored 26 runs. So they've scored um, 50 runs in seven games, right. if, I, if my math is correct. Uh, but So if the offense is there, I think they'll keep winning. The pitching staff has done a good job uh, for the most part. But, yeah, no, I think the Wolfpack can come away with a sweep. That's my predictions. Yeah, I think, I think we come away with, if not the sweep, but definitely three out of four. This is a team that's on the up and up, and I think – with the way that our bats have been clicking, I think our pitching is going to start coming around, and I think I think we'll take three out of four, if not a sweep. So wrapping up today's show, any final thoughts? Just go pack. Go pack. We w- uh, wish um, the seniors for women's basketball and men's basketball the best uh, in future endeavors. We w- we hope you guys have uh, success uh, in the Mountain West tournament, and then if they do make postseason tournament, Nevada men's basketball will. Don't there know- is a senior we forgot about. Who? David Cunningham. Oh, that's he's yeah. a senior. How can we not forget about the boy? How can we forget about the leader of the bench right. mob, David Cunningham? Right. Whoops. Uh, uh, maybe you know, yeah, we can't forget about them. Right. There's right. a feature on them. On it was a feature that aired on Sunday. Right. So shout out David Cunningham. I've seen him in the playing basketball in the local gym many a times. So right. shout out David Cunningham. Final thought. Uh, stay classy, Logan. <laughs>